The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Lessons Monday, everybody. Welcome to the show. We got the professor named Jacobson. I'm Ben Wittenstein. We are Stadium Sports Betting Podcast. Find us all over Twitter at Stadium Bets. Uh, we've been posting our best bets on Fridays. We've been posting clips from the show. We have our uh, articles coming out. So everything has, we have everything covered for you, for everything betting. So we're excited to do that. And we're, what, midway through the seasons for both college football, NFL, Nate. We're getting midway there. Um, not a great couple of weeks for the podcast, but I think we're we're going to try to right the ship. Yeah, tough with the best bets. We'll go through that in a little bit. But um, I looked at the schedule today, and we're halfway through the college football season, pretty much exactly, uh, if you include conference championship week as its own week. And then NFL, I guess, because it's 18 weeks, it's pretty easy this year. We're a third of a way through the NFL season. So yeah. um, maybe more teams have played more than a third of their season because they haven't been on by yet. And we have a batch of buys this week, six teams on by in week seven. I looked at the college football slate. I don't think there's any ranked on ranked matchups. So we'll give information this week, give our bets. Same as usual. It might not be as much this week because it's a pretty ugly card, honestly, looking at some of the big spreads in the NFL and just not the most intriguing college games. So we'll give you your bets, but maybe recommend this week spending your Saturday and Sunday maybe with some friends and family who you neglected <laughs> over the last two months, maybe get into some, I don't know, doing fall things, holiday stuff, if you know what I mean. So maybe this is a week to maybe make a few bets, a low-volume week, uh, but definitely look ahead to college football, and there will be some good weekends on Halloween weekend, and then in November when the playoff drama begins and we see some playoff rankings, and then the NFL, even when the week isn't good, there could always be some good finishes that make it an exciting week and might not be the most entertaining games to watch but if you can bet on it then it's worth watching yeah i'll emerge from the cave say hi to loved ones catch up on, on how their fall is going i think that that could yeah. be this this could be the weekend to do it have a stress-free weekend very little betting i i know i think this podcast needs needs that this week this is coming at the perfect week for sharp lessons we need as we talked about as we looking at the best bets Again, it was it was a bit of a rough weekend for the pod. We went, uh, what did we go, one and five? One, two, three, four, four. Yeah, about one and four, one and five, I think, um, if we count Texas as one bet because we each bet Texas as our best bet. So it's been it's been a struggle. Um, the podcast, though, Nate, still positive for the season. 26 and 23 as a podcast and our best bets, a 53% win percentage so far for us. Uh, haven't had any pushes yet, so that has yet to happen to us, so getting a push. But we we just need to we need to huddle back up. We need to we need to recap what we're doing, look at what we're doing, change some of the bets, and I think we can get back on track. Um, I, I I think it's possible, and I think a week like this, kind of a gross, dirty, not fun weekend, is I think something that's much needed. Yeah, in the end of the day, a lot of football games end up just being coin flips, and sometimes you'll be on the right side of coin flips. I know I was thinking yesterday that maybe. 
when we hit that like Penn State Auburn game and the Auburn team total under, we got very fortunate there. So we got breaks yeah. early in the year, started off red hot. Now we're regressing, and now it's kind of a lull in the in the schedule at least this weekend. And another note this weekend, other than the games not being very good, and I, I couldn't believe this. Maybe there'll be some time changes, but I doubt it this this soon in advance. But in college football, other than a Hawaii game that kicks off very late, there isn't a game that kicks off in college football past seven thirty. Eastern time on Saturday. So this truly might be a weekend to have fun on Saturday. Not too much fun. So you're up Sunday morning grinding the NFL. But uh, I think that there's an opportunity here to maybe take a little bit of a break as we're halfway through the college football season. And then we are a third of the way through the NFL season. So let's let's quickly look. We had one sweat of the week that you wanted to mention um, before we get to a uh, not a new segment, but a refurbished segment, grievances and lessons. But we had sweat of the week, Nate, and that was the Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah, unbelievable turn of events in Athens, Georgia. And I think it was a game we talked about last week, how it was a ranked on ranked, undefeated on undefeated. But if you look at the point spread, it looked like Georgia was going to absolutely clobber Kentucky. And for the most part, they did as the spread Closed 21 and a half, total 44 and a half. So the projected score was like 33 to 11, which is kind of what we saw. Uh, it was 30 to 7. Georgia just scored a touchdown to get to cover, I guess, be covering at the moment. And then Kentucky got the ball back with about 11 and a half minutes left. And maybe you'd think, oh, let's run tempo. Let's try to score maybe onside kick or get our defense to get a stop, get the ball back. No, that's not what Kentucky did. They had no urgency. They had a 22-play, 75-yard drive that took up 11 minutes and 23 seconds. It's concluded. Uh, it ended in a touchdown for Kentucky with about, I think it was three or four seconds on the clock. You have Mark Stoops running onto the field with like three seconds left to call a timeout <laughs> down 23. If you don't think he doesn't know the point spread, then you're fooling yourself. He knew exactly <laughs> what was at stake. That's Kentucky, my Kentucky ends up scoring to go uh, cut the lead to 30 to 13. So now they're covering the spread. At some places, the total was 44. So now you just need the extra point to push on the total. If you did bet the over, but in that game, probably betting the over wasn't a good idea, even if it was such a low total, just on the makeup of both teams. And the extra point was blocked. So it stayed under every number, but Kentucky covered every number. And that's, that's your sweat of the week, uh, a very methodical drive by the Wildcats to get the, the backdoor cover in Athens, Georgia. Mark Stoops, guy who loves to cover games. I, I respect a coach who's really into the game because he wants his team to cover. That's, that's you know, A, he's very aware of the spread, and B, he is hearing the whispers behind him of those boosters who are uh, who are betting these Kentucky games. I love it. I wonder if he knew about the uh, LSU job opening up, too, and maybe creating some <laughs> leverage when uh, he goes to the negotiation table or if uh, LSU is calling him up this week. Good coaches win and great coaches and possible future LSU coaches cover, Nate. I think that's that's how the saying goes. Also, the next segment, grievances and lessons. Just anything we learn, anything we want to get off our chest from this past weekend of, of betting. Favorites, 7-0 and straight up um, and against the spread in that early window. That was really surprising to see, especially since this has really been a season eight in the NFL where the underdogs have had a lot of success, not only covering games, but a lot of them have just been straight up winning. 
Um, but the underdogs certainly have had a lot of success early on this season against the spread. So to see the favorites and chalk just so heavily early on was really surprising. Yeah, the secret of betting the NFL this week was just lay it with the favorites because they went 7-0 and straight up and against the spread in the early window. And then later in the day in a game that we were on, I at least was on the wrong side of and probably was a bit unlucky. But the Cowboys ending up covering the number in overtime is about a three and a half closing favorite. So really, it was a, an onslaught of favorites early on. I know that we're going to hear a lot from the sports books about how they had their worst Sunday ever, and they had a very bad week before, too, with all the teasers coming through. Uh, so maybe we're going to see an opportunity for some underdogs, maybe some inflated numbers on favorites coming up in the NFL. Ben, you did a good job mentioning that underdogs were, were very live early in the season, but it was a lot different. A lot of favorites and, and even road favorites uh, getting it done. Uh, yeah. And the NFL, especially early in the afternoon. So it's not going to last like that forever. So maybe next week's the bounce back week. Maybe there's more favorites, but I wouldn't be, be going out blindly backing favorites, especially we'll talk about later in the show. Some of the favorites on the board are very large where it's uh, you're going to have to lay oh, yeah. over two touchdowns. Yeah, I, I hate doing that in the NFL. I absolutely hate doing that. It seems like the obvious choice to to pick a double-digit underdog when it's like above 15 or 16, but some of those underdogs are a bit rough, so it would be hard to do. Um, and grievance-wise, too, Nate, when we're talking about best bets, we have to. The show has has struggled. Best bets past two weeks, we, we've struggled as a show. Um, and I don't know if it's for any one particular reason. Um, some of these games have just, as you said, been a coin flip. It's, we've we've gotten unlucky, but. You know, we had a best bet tail um, with that Texas minus three and a half. We had 49ers plus five and a half two weeks ago. Um, that Texas game was bad. Uh, Texas, I, I don't know what their issue is in second half of football games, but Steve Sarkeesian apparently does not know how to coach second half football games. Yeah, and so basically with Texas, we, we laid minus three and a half. It got down. We basically got Texas, I thought, at its lowest point, and more selling the Oklahoma State start because we weren't believers in them being 12th in the country, starting off 5-0, and and thought Texas had a short number, bouncing back with all their goals in front of them, was a good spot. It looked very good. They get out to a 7 nothing lead. They stop Oklahoma State. They're up 17-3 near the end of the second quarter, driving, and then Casey Thompson throws a pick six on a third down. So maybe they'd only get a field goal. But that flips a 17-point potential lead until a seven-point game. Oklahoma State then tacks on another field goal at the end of the first half. And then you think, okay, this is not where you want, but maybe Texas that woke them up and they'll you know, get Bajan Robinson with the lead, their yeah. star running back out. And they really failed to get him the ball. And even though they did score a touchdown on their first try of the second half to go up 24 to 13, I thought they were in a good spot. They were a complete no-show on offense the rest of the game. I believe it was they ran like 17 plays on their last six drives and 14 net yards. So just a disaster for Texas. And honestly, I don't regret that bet at all, though, because if you look at the market this week, Oklahoma State, who's now number eight in the AP poll, is traveling to Ames to play Iowa State this week, an unranked Iowa State. And Iowa State who's unranked, is favored by seven points against the eighth-ranked team in Oklahoma State. So I think getting Texas at three-and-a-half, I don't think Texas and Oklahoma State – sorry, Texas and Iowa State, there's not much of a difference between those two teams. 
So getting Texas minus three and a half, I think, looks like a pretty decent bet considering you'd have to lay seven now with Iowa State if you want to go against Oklahoma State, which I want to do. So that's like one of my leans early in the week, Iowa State. But I think if we wait later in the week, hopefully the public sees, oh, a, a ranked team, undefeated team, underdog by that much against the Iowa State team that hasn't been that impressive. Maybe there'll be some support for the Cowboys early in the week, and we can take Iowa State later at the week at a better number. Yeah, that w- I mean, when you look at the numbers like that, it's hard to feel bad about that Texas minus three and a half. UAB, I wish I put a lot more money on that one because that was the one bet of the week that that hit for us. Um, and again, Southern Southern Miss is just a really really bad football team. I think whoever made that line really just did not watch any Southern Miss football, which I don't blame them because they're a really bad football team. But they should not have been favored by just fifteen and a half. Um, Chargers Ravens, I do want to mention that one and just how upset I am with the Chargers scoring yeah. six points, one touchdown for the Chargers <laughs> against a Ravens defense. That is not great, and they somehow played their best game of the year on Sunday against Justin Herbert, the team that they, they went for fourth and shorts. I know people were saying, you know, you don't. Why do you go for fourth and one your own thirty yard line? Blah blah blah. They did it two weeks ago and it worked. So I don't blame them for doing it this week. It just didn't work out. So that over fifty one seemed like a straight lock until the Chargers scored one touchdown and couldn't hit the field goal. And Nate, I should have known when they didn't or when they didn't hit the extra point. Excuse me. When they didn't take the extra point, I should have known that the uh, the over was done at that point. Yeah, definitely. It was uh, a tough game. I was watching that game and thinking like, okay, you know, even if when it's 34 to 6, maybe the Chargers get some garbage time and yeah. it's, it, that game blows over the total. And it didn't. The Ravens did their part. And I guess the Chargers, the, the third down, fourth down conversion regression hit hard. And apparently, uh, maybe the going into my other best bet or one of the other ones, the Browns, maybe the Chargers and Browns played such a competitive physical game against each other that both teams lost because of it. And they basically knocked each other out um, as the Browns had really no shot against the Cardinals, which was shocking because the Cardinals were without head coach Cliff Kingsbury. They were without their obviously he's their play caller, too. They were out their starting center. They were without their quarterback coach because of COVID issues, no Chandler Jones. So there was a lot of advantages, I thought, for the Browns, and it didn't pan out at all. It was, it kind of felt like even like 10 minutes in the game, like, wow, really a bad bet on by me, which is going to happen throughout the year. I just did not expect it to be the Browns in that situation. And then finally, the Patriots, plus three and a half, plus four, I think it got to at, on game day and was early on Wednesday before we recorded the show. But all like that had to go right in terms of like the Cowboys getting the pick six and then failing on the two point conversion and the Patriots on scoring right away and converting that two point conversion. I actually was rooting for the Patriots not to get the two point conversion. So they were only up one instead of three because I knew that the Cowboys would at least get a field goal with that offense with Dak Prescott. Of course, field goal, and then it's a tie game. You get the lucky draw of winning the t- coin toss in overtime for the Patriots, but then they punt, and the Cowboys, just needing a field goal, end up scoring a touchdown. So that was a gut punch, especially because it probably shouldn't have even gone to overtime, but so much had to go right in terms of the pick six and and everything. So that was frustrating, especially on a, on an 0-6 run when that's the, the seventh loss in two weeks. That's That's tough to bounce back from, but... I was up early looking at stuff today and kept put that behind me and, and know that we've had a good start to the season and things have just balanced out and hope to provide some insight 
throughout the year. And if you want to start fading me blindly, maybe that's uh, oh, is it okay that time already? Is it the fade me time already? I hate saying being that guy saying like, oh, fade me. I, I'm so bad. Um, but you take whatever information I give you, and if you disagree with it, then feel free to bet against it. If you want to side bet me, DMs are always open. If you want to, uh, if you, you want go. some no juice bets, we could we could work out something and arrange it. So <laughs> uh, tough tough stretch, Ben, but we'll, we'll bounce back. And you look back at the bets, and not much you could do, honestly, or we could do. But I, I think some bets I regret, but a few others, like two of them, I definitely didn't regret. Uh, this week in Texas and the Patriots, and they just were the wrong result. Yeah, no, I feel right right now. I feel like a coach who's coaching a team who did well to start the year. And now they're on a bit of a slide, and all I can really give at this point is like coach speak. You know, we're gonna go back to the drawing board. We're gonna take everything <laughs> into account. We're gonna try to get back on the horse, get back on the saddle. Everything stops with stops with me, <laughs> Nate. We're gonna get back to being our best selves at this point, um, and and at some point we're gonna we're gonna hit those wins. So. With that being said, we'll put everything in the past, put the bad weeks behind us. Let's look straight forward at – I can't even be happy about this weekend because it's going to be a really crappy weekend of games <laughs> because the slates are not fun. But that means there might be some fun opportunities to hit some of these lines. So opening bell, looking at some of these college football games, some of these early lines that opened up yesterday, um, just quickly going through three games that uh, piqued our interest. Clemson at Pitt. It opened on Sunday, Pitt minus two, and overnight it now is Pitt minus three and a half as we record this. So people saw that Clemson game against Syracuse, saw that Clemson was almost a two-touchdown favorite against Syracuse on the road. They could not cover that at all. And so people are really liking Pitt at home against Clemson. Now they're minus three and a half. Yeah, what? how have the tides turned? I think in the summer this game was Clemson by three touchdowns in the look yeah. ahead game of the year number. So real change of uh, philosophy here. It, it actually peaked at Pitt minus four and a half, was even Pitt minus four this morning. So I think there's a there was a chance that maybe some Clemson money came in because Clemson has not been an underdog very many times, especially in conference play. This is the first time since 2016 there are a conference underdog. It's the second time since 2014, and that was before um, Deshaun Watson was their starting quarterback at Clemson. The last time they were an underdog, they were a one-point underdog at home to a Lamar Jackson Louisville team, and they ended up winning that game. So Clemson has dominated the ACC, and now they're an underdog, and it's just it's just crazy, man. It's just they're 0-5 against the spread against yeah. Power 5 teams. And it's hard to cover double-digit spreads like they have been the last few weeks when they're only scoring like 19 or 17 points. Uh, they scored 17 points, and they were a 13-point favorite against Syracuse on Friday night off a of bye. You would have never thought that. So that offense is broken. I think it's a lot of the offensive line play. Uh, Pitt took the early money. I was wondering if they were going to open as a favorite. They did, and now maybe some buyback on Clemson. I'll be interested to see where this this line goes as this is ends up being one of the bigger games of the week and not what we would have expected before the season. Oregon at UCLA opened up Oregon as a favorite on Sunday, laying two points, and that has completely flipped now to UCLA, who's laying two points, and they are now the home favorite. And I will say, Nate, I am kicking myself for not taking UCLA as an underdog against Washington this past weekend. I was thinking about it midweek last week. Right. Didn't have the guts to actually pull the trigger on their money line or their spread. Um, and I think we've had a good read on UCLA 
all season long. And initially, my gut reaction to a game like this, seeing UCLA as a favorite now, would be to fade them and bet Oregon's money line. Yeah, maybe. I'm not a huge Oregon fan, and we saw Friday night. or I was asleep already, but I, I looked it up <laughs> Saturday morning, and they were down in the fourth quarter to California at home, and they were off a yeah. high themselves, off a loss to Stanford. And they ended up coming back, winning by seven points. They didn't cover the number that was hovering around two touchdowns. So Oregon, just a team I don't really trust. And I, I understand why the line move with UCLA beating Washington, and now they're at home. So even though it's unranked UCLA against number 10 Oregon, UCLA, I believe, is the rightful favorite. We'll have to see where this line goes throughout the week because I'm, su- I'm sure there's going to be a, a back and forth where – if Oregon gets to a pick people or the game gets to a pick people will be on UCLA. If it gets to plus three, there'll be a strong bat, uh, resistance to the Ducks in this one. And finally, one of the more marquee games of the weekend, USC at Notre Dame. In South Bend, it opened on Sunday with the Irish laying four, and now the Irish are laying six and a half. People uh, are not liking USC on the road here, and I don't know how much I can actually trust Notre Dame. Um, so six and a half seems like a, a pretty large spread here for them to be covering. Yeah, I don't think Notre Dame is that good. They are only a one-loss team right now. But they're, because of that, their goals are still ahead of them, where if they do win out, they'll have at least an argument for the college football playoff. Not saying they'll make it, but there's a lot of chaos, and they'll at least be in the picture. They came in coming off a bye week, and the bye came at a perfect time for Notre Dame, just the quarterback injuries they're dealing with. And then you have to worry about USC traveling to South Bend. They're off a bye themselves, but their head coach got fired early in the year. So maybe there's a little bit of quit from USC and uncertainty about how much effort they should put into these games, knowing that a new coach is going to be coming in next year at USC. I'm sure they'll name someone after the year. And then you look at the weather report for South Bend, Indiana, on a Saturday night, and the weather's going to be in the 40s. And if you're a kid from Southern California, how excited are you going to be to play in that weather, especially after that game against Utah where they got blown out at home? Like, I'm worried that USC's kind of quit on the season. Maybe they have a refocused effort against uh, a rival in Notre Dame, but with that weather and uh, Notre Dame kind of getting healthier probably during the bye, I can agree why or see why the line uh, moved up to Notre Dame just because I don't know what we're going to get from USC at all. All right, let's look at some NFL games uh, because there was one that had pretty significant line movement for Sunday, um, and then we obviously have some double-digit favorites that we want to get to. But before that, Nate, Falcons at the Dolphins this Sunday opened. Uh, the look-ahead line was Dolphins laying two and a half for this one. It has completely flipped. Now the Falcons are the favorite at minus two on the road in Miami. Again, I mean, I'm never going to bet a Falcons game until Matt Ryan's gone and they can really figure out what that team is. I just I cannot trust them um, and let alone trust the Dolphins. But it's interesting that we've had seen the Dolphins go from a, a home favorite to almost a field goal um, where now it flipped and the Falcons are now the road favorite. Yeah, what a change of perception over the last few weeks. I mean, the Falcons, especially after week one against the Eagles, really struggled and it's like a team no one wants to back and then the Dolphins they start 1-0 and it's like okay maybe this is a, a borderline playoff team contender with Tua and obviously not it's it's flipped around Tua got hurt he did come back this week against the Jaguars but if you look at the line they were either a one and a half or two and a half point favorite 
on a neutral field against the 0-5 Jaguars. And I know that was partly due to the, both cornerbacks, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, being active. But if the line is that sh- short against a winless Jaguars team, then the Dolphins really aren't getting a lot of credit at all in the betting market. And another factor is the Dolphins just played in London. They didn't want a bye week after the London trip. They requested a bye later in the year. So now you're getting a team that's 1-5, and five, just lost in London. They have to play travel back home, uh, normal week, but with all that travel, maybe takes a little bit out of them. That's why a lot of teams have time to buy change, after yeah. the, the London trip. Yeah, the, the time change definitely. And now you have a Falcons team coming off a bye with a first-year coach. So if you expect improvement from a, a team like the Falcons, who have a new head coach in Arthur Smith this year, maybe they take some strides and improve as a team over that bye week. So an early bye for a team like the Falcons was probably a good thing. So situationally, it makes a lot of sense. And I guess numbers-wise, if the Dolphins are less than a field goal to the Jaguars on a neutral field, then they probably shouldn't be favored against many teams. And now the Falcons are favorite. Uh, this game, just kind of first impression, probably a game you could probably tease. Uh, but one thing just to look at is the Dolphins injury report out the week and seeing if they can get those cornerbacks back in Howard and Jones. Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a rough season for the Dolphins injury rise. So it, this is really two teams for me personally that I just I'm never going to put my money up again for for either the Falcons or the Dolphins this year. Um, or honestly, in the past couple of seasons. So I, I think I will stay away from this game. And as the week gets closer to Sunday night, maybe you'll have a play on this one. I do like the teaser idea since those are usually pretty successful with, with these numbers. Um, but I am, uh, that is a huge stay away game for me on this one. More NFL though, because Nate, it's looking a little more like college football this weekend for these NFL spreads. There are three games with double digit favorites, um, which is kind of crazy. And not only that, but those numbers have only increased as more people are betting starting this week. We have the Lions at the Rams with the Rams starting as being 13 and a half point favorites. They are now 15 point favorites over the Lions. Bears at Buccaneers as the Bears go down to Tampa. The Bucks were a 10-point favorite. They are now laying 13 and a half. And Texans at Cardinals. Um, Cardinals starting to look like the best team in the NFL. They started as 14-point favorites, and that has gone up to 17-point favorites against the Texans. Um, and you look at these double-digit spreads, Nate, and it's hard not to look at the underdogs and think that is a really tasty number in the NFL to get a double-digit, a high double-digit underdogs or is there any one of those teams that interest you oh it's it's tough ben but i don't know maybe the lions because the jared goff revenge game but i think that's too narrative and, <laughs> and the lions just a complete no show yesterday against the Bengals, which maybe we shouldn't be su- too surprised because i feel like they've been a little bit of fortunate with how they've covered some games this year bears bucks could only look to the favorite in that. I just don't think yeah. the Bears have that pass offense to exploit the Bucks' only weakness, which is their banged-up secondary. So that leaves me with the Texans and Cardinals. And the Texas look po- Texans look poor against the Colts. Cardinals had to overcome a lot this week, and they still won rather easily against a very good Cleveland team. Or maybe now not a good Cleveland team. I guess we maybe learned something about Cleveland as they're battling injuries of their own. But it's interesting. We've seen the Cardinals play their best games on the road as short underdogs. And when they come back at home, sometimes like sometimes they or they've won all the games, but maybe not as impressive. And I know they beat the 49ers and covered against them two weeks ago, but it wasn't a great showing by them. And that's why I think we saw a lot of people like me bet against the Cardinals yesterday. And then you have a Texans team that 
obviously not looked good against the Colts, but the week before they did look good against the Patriots. So I think the thing with this game and maybe a spoiler alert to Wednesday in terms of the look ahead game, but the Cardinals have a week eight Thursday night game hosting the Packers. I have a feeling that we might see a very vanilla game plan, especially if they don't have some coaches back or players back because of COVID, I can see a situation where the Cardinals just try to win, get out of there, don't try to run up the score, and get ready for a big game against Green Bay next Thursday night. Yeah, uh, it's hard to – I'm trying to, like, get my Bears fandom out of here, but saying, you know, the Bears covering less than two touchdowns against the Buccaneers in Tampa with the way they have looked is is really tough. But I will say, after kind of embarrassing losses – the only thing Matt Nagy has been good for usually is actually coming out and getting his team ready to play after tough losses, after an embarrassing loss, after a loss where people start to really question his coaching. And that's happened multiple times this year. It obviously happened multiple times last year. But if that line, Nate, gets the Buccaneers by two touchdowns or more, I may start to think the Bears because that is a spot where they have usually done decent in, or at least Matt Nagy has seemingly done okay after like a loss where people just have been sick of him and he can hear the people questioning him in the media and, and everything like that. So that might be a spot where I hit the bears if it gets any higher, but yeah, the Jared Goff revenge game. I just don't think he's capable of having a revenge game. I don't think he's good enough. And I don't think the the lions are good enough to do that, but that Texans plus 17, certainly, uh, certainly interesting. I just want to add that with the, with the bears, the case for the bears, like sure. That might be too many points. But when they have bounced back this season, it's been against the Bengals early in the year yes. when Burrow wasn't right and the Lions at home. This is a much different case going down to Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay with extra time to prepare because they played on Thursday night. They lost the Bears beat the Bucks last year in Chicago. So all the people who were making the case for the Buccaneers in week four gets the Patriots about the Brady revenge game. This is also a revenge game. I don't think he forgets how he lost on a Thursday night and forgot how many downs there were on a play and looked embarrassing on national <laughs> TV. So, yeah, that's fair. Just I, I made the mistake two weeks ago backing the Dolphins against the Buccaneers, thinking it was too big of a number, and the Buccaneers just came off a big game against the Patriots. But what I failed to realize was the Dolphins' offense couldn't do anything because they don't have a – huge downfield vertical passing game, especially they were down a few wide receivers, which would go be Brissett at quarterback. And I think it's the same situation for the Bears. Like the offense isn't good enough and they can't they're not gonna be able to run the ball against Tampa's defense. No one has been able to. And I don't think Justin Fields at this point in his career is equipped to put enough points on the board to even cover this big of a number. Yeah. Well there you go. That's the whole point of the show, right? Sharp lessons. You gotta learn your lesson of of not hitting the Buccaneers in, in spots where they should be. Uh let's close out the show. Monday Night Football, we have that tonight. Bills at the Titans, and the Bills are road favorites, laying six points at most places. Maybe you can get them six and a half at some other places. But especially at six and a half, Nate, and we talked about this before the show, I'm uh, I'm leaning Titans, at least with the spread. If the spread stays at, a, at six or six and a half, this might be a Titans play for me. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Ben. Titans are pass. The Bills are coming off their biggest win of the year. It was the game they've been they circled on the calendar before the season. They lost to the Chiefs at Arrowhead in the AFC title game, their second loss to Kansas City of last season. So this was that game was huge for them. It was a must a game that they really wanted to win, and obviously uh they did. They came up out ahead, made a statement, they won thirty eight to twenty. 
Now they go on the road again. It's another Monday night game, which might actually be a good thing for them because if this game was on a Sunday afternoon, I'd have a lot more interest in the Titans in this game. Both the extra day to prep, the extra day of rest, the game being a Monday night game, they'll still get up for it. It's also a game where they played in the same stadium last year on a Tuesday night because the Titans had COVID issues and the Bills ended up losing that game. So maybe there's a little motivation still from that. I think they have a bye next week, so they could really go all out if they want to. And it's a great matchup for the Bills offense against a Titans defense that isn't very good. However, there's always a number attached to it, and the number kind of drives the decision-making, at least in my process. And the look-ahead line for this before all the games were played last week, or week five, I guess it was, was Bills minus two and a half. And now it's six, climbing some six and a half. So my plan for this game, wait as long as possible, see if you can get a six and a half, maybe even a seven on Tennessee at home. I figure a lot of money will be coming on Buffalo today because it's a standalone game. They look so good against Kansas City. I think Buffalo is just becoming a popular team in the betting market in general. One thing to know, AJ. Yeah, no, definitely, and especially since they over t- uh, beat the Chiefs last week. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'd monitor is the uh, with the Chiefs or the, sorry, the Titans is wide receiver AJ Brown popped up on the injury report with an illness. He's questionable. Looks like Julio Jones will be back, but it'd be nice to have both Brown and Jones for the Titans offense because if they should be able to have some success running the ball, but if they do end up trailing in this game, which is a possibility with the way the Bills offense is playing, you definitely would want both receivers in playing, especially against a very good Bills secondary. So it's not a best bet. I'm not going to even make it an official bet right now on the show. But Titans at the best possible number, six or better, will be a bet I make. Uh, Hope to get six and a half before kickoff. And if we're very lucky, then maybe plus seven. I would also have a lean towards the under. I think that's that number is just a little bit high at 53 right now. Um, and, I, and I know I think it's a little too high simply because we've seen what Buffalo can do and everyone looks at the Titans defense and talks about how bad that Titans defense is. And that is all true. But I think in a situation like this, um, especially with the line where it is, where it's plus six, plus six and a half, I, I think you can probably go under until like 51 and a half. Something like that. So I, I I would lean towards the under and the Titans in this game. So that would be my leans, and I think you kind of like the Titans in this spot as well, as long as that line stays at six, six and a half, and, and maybe goes up to seven before kickoff. Yeah, I think right now, based on where we're at, it's not going to drop you below six. I know early in the week it was five and a half in all the contests I'm in. It was five and a half, and in, in one of the ones where I only picked five games, I excluded Tennessee because I didn't think it'd be the best number. And we talked – a few times on the show how NFL games land on six more because of the yep. chance of a missed extra point, but also if a team's down 14, like we saw with the Eagles the other night, they went for two to cut it to six, um, which is based on the strategy, nothing to do with the point spread. So getting plus six is crucial, but I think there's an opportunity for more. And because of the A.J. Brown injury situation, I'm going to wait as long as possible to back Tennessee in this one. Yep, I agree. I think that's the move. Um, but that'll do it for us uh, today. We'll be back Wednesday. Hopefully see the board pretty clearly. Have a, have a good week ahead of us. I'm, I'm feeling good, Nate. I'm, I'm feeling good about the week that we're about to have. I think crappy games equal good opportunities for better. Yep. 
for us. And the and the and the new uh, rebranded grievance um, segment, yeah. I think, kind of you know cleansed my soul and <laughs> let, let me vent. And now everything from college week seven, NFL week six, is in the rearview mirror. Others on tonight's game, obviously, in the NFL, but ready to go ahead and try to uh, figure it out and write the ship. Yeah, nothing like getting little grievances off your chest. I think that's that's a good move to start the week on a Monday. But we will be back Wednesday. Um, keep keep track of us at Stadium Bets as well, um, and we'll have more bets and picks and plays for you on Wednesday. 